Hey guys, welcome to The Slice. I'm your host, Casey Funderburg, and this podcast is all about Tennessee football and giving you a slice of the players' and coaches' lives that you might not always get to see, or in this case, hear. In today's episode, you'll get to hear from Valus Jones Jr. That is a touchdown, Tennessee. Jones hauls it in. Across the middle, nice pass on Bailey, and look at this. Bayless Jones bounces off of Andy Defender's house call. We sat down and we talked about what it was like growing up in Mobile, Alabama, and how his backyard football games when he was a kid led him to falling in love with the game of football. You'll also get to hear about the differences between Mobile, Southern California, where Vela started his football career, and East Tennessee. The Slice is sponsored by Tennessee's bank, First Horizon, proud to be the official bank of the balls. I'd like to welcome Bayless Jones Jr. to The Slice. How's it going? Um, everything's going good. Um, blessed I woke up this morning, most definitely. You're going into your second season here on Rocky Top, so how does it feel? Um, it feels great to be back. Um, I know it's so much more um, to this place, uh, especially than last year and stuff. And just coming back, you know, I can really, like, get a feel for it. And just to hear that um, there is a possibility, you know, that they'll have full capacity at the game, that's also an amazing feeling. I can't wait to play in front of the crowd. Yeah, because that'll be your first time playing in front of a full Neyland Stadium. <laughs> exactly. So you're pursuing your master's right now. What are you getting a degree in? Agricultural leadership. Ag is, like, mostly... Um, people that like um, invest in land and like farmland and stuff like that. And, you know, that's something me and my father have been talking about um, and um, investing in land um, back in our community. It's like a lot of rural area, a lot of woods and stuff like that. And so we are definitely um, trying to buy up some of that land and um, make some out of it. And then also the leadership aspect of it too. How has that interested you and helped you? Um, it also, oh yeah, that helped me. You know, just like even being the leader on the team and stuff like that, it helped me just to be able to, you know, speak in front of people and stuff like that, like helping my speech and stuff like that. Used to be really like shy to talk in front of a crowd of people and stuff, but it just encouraged me, you know, that just talking in front of people is really not that bad at all. So most definitely helped me um, with my crowd speech. I'm surprised you said that you used to be shy because you have your YouTube YouTube mm -hmm. uh, channel and that's fun. You seem very comfortable <laughs> in front of the camera. I mean, I know you're just talking to the camera, but you seem very comfortable just talking on there. Oh, most definitely. I, I think it's I think it's different uh, when you're doing it yourself. Not too many people staring at you, but like I said, that's not really a problem for me anymore. But yeah, I think that was a great opportunity to show like my personality and like who I really am outside of football. So yeah. I'm not really camera shot that much. Got out of that phase. Oh, yeah. How do you come up with your ideas for your YouTube videos? I really just, like, go with the flow. Um, I have a friend named Joey that also helped me and come up with ideas, a student here. And so um, I just let it come out the top of the head. You know, really uh, it comes from my personality and also what the fans want to see as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they can definitely go and check those out. So we are going to play a get-to-know-you game. How does that sound? Sounds amazing to me. All right, so favorite food? Chitlins. All right, favorite movie? Godzilla. Pet peeve? 
Hmm. When somebody asks me the same question twice and I tell them I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a bucket list item that you have. To go to Greece. I have that one as well. <laughs> if you weren't playing football, what would you be playing? Probably try track. Yeah, track and field, yep. That makes sense, too. <laughs> You're fast, so. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely try to go to the Olympics. All right, funniest teammate. Funniest teammate. I would say had it been out of has to be out of Jimmy Calloway or Jimmy Holiday. One of the Jimmys. Yeah, it's one of the Jimmys. Okay, favorite color? Blue. Interesting fact about yourself. I was born on May 11th, 1997, and that was the day on Mother's Day. So I was born on Mother's Day. Wow, that was a special day for your mom. That's what I tell her. She don't <laughs> even need a gift. She has me. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Hey, um, plug your YouTube channel so people listening can go and follow you. And subscribe. Oh, most definitely. If you go to Bayless Jones Jr., um, that's the name of my channel. Go like and subscribe. I'm pretty sure you'll love the videos. Most definitely. Awesome. So you are from Mobile, Alabama. How would you describe Mobile? If you know New Orleans, um, it's kind of a same structure, our downtown, same structure as New Orleans. And Mobile has Mardi Gras. And I know a lot of people think Mardi Gras um, started in New Orleans, but it was like originated in originally in like Mobile, Alabama, and it moved to New Orleans. So the founder of Mardi Gras is Mobile, Alabama. And so it's just like a great place, um, great vibes, you know, Southern, hospi um, Southern hospitality. It's just like a great feeling, a home feeling, most definitely. Food is so good. Have a lot of, yeah, have a lot of seafood. I, I love seafood, yeah. But Mobile is like a great place. Um, also, like across the bay from Mobile, it's like a lot of our beach areas and stuff like that, um, like Gulf Shores and Orange Beach. It connects the Florida coastline. So most definitely, you should go, you should go visit Mobile, Alabama. What was it like for you growing up there? As a kid? Growing up in Mobile, Alabama, I would say it was, it's always like a lot of kids. Um, um, I know some people grow up in certain places where it's not that many kids to come outside and play with and stuff. But I, like, I grew up like in an environment and community like where a lot of kids were out and stuff like that. And, you know, um, I came up in Mobile, um, but I, then I moved to Saraland, Alabama, which is like the suburbs of Mobile. 10 minutes away from Mobile. And um, that's when I like came up really, um, I would say from the age of like eight and eight years old and up. Yeah, that's where I grew up in Saraland. So describe a weekend for me then. If there's a bunch of kids, you guys are obviously out playing together. So what were your weekends or your free time like growing up? In Saraland, Alabama, I live in this community um, called the Blackjacks. That's the name of our neighborhood and stuff. And um, in that neighborhood is you're related or like you're just close like family friends. So everybody know each other in the community and stuff. And so for fun coming up, especially in my elementary days, uh, we would go to the field and play pick them up and bust them. And then as we got older, um, we would go to Skidmore Park, was the park lead I played for. Um, now it's like Sarah Land Spartans, but now, uh, no, it was Sarah Land Bills, but now it's Sarah Land Spartans. So yeah, park lead team I played for was Sarah Land Bills. Most definitely. So it was really football, football, and basketball here and there. Yeah. Pick them up. What, what did you call that? Pick them up and bust them. Some people call fumble ruski or something like that. It's like 
you you probably I'll say on an average day growing up, it probably be like thirty kids out like oh, on wow. the football field. Yes, so they'll throw the football high as possible, and whoever grab it, everybody trying to like slam that person. <laughs> so it was like a physical game. Like people got thrown in the street, tackled in bushes. So. Yeah, I guess that's where my physicality come from. Oh, yeah. Did you get thrown down a few times? Yeah, I got slammed on my neck before. That that was dangerous. (laughs) And you said your community was called the Blackjacks? Yes, ma'am. Where did that name come from? Oh, I'm not sure where it came from, but I know um, my family was like the um, first to move around there. But I guess it started building as a community. Um, Fred Towner uh, was my great-grandfather. Have a house on Shady Oaks. Yeah, I guess um, he was like the first around there, and he had his kids and stuff like that. And it's like all spread it. That's why I'm saying I'm related to everybody in the neighborhood. It's like crazy. It's like one big family. Um, have cousins um, next door to me, around the corner. If not, um, close family friends that I grew up with as kids. So, yeah, it's like a family community or close friend community. Mm-hmm. Either I'm related to you or I really know you. <laughs> and your grandfather had a big hand in that community. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And um, the church, our church is on Cedar Street um, Baptist Church, which is a church in the back of my um, community. And so that's where, like, most of my family go. Are we all with the church at? A lot of people don't grow up in a community where you're either related to most people or you know most people. So growing up in a place like that, what did that mean to you? Uh, It mean everything to me. It taught me... um, it taught me a lot, just like, you know, just the going outside, being a kid. And I know a lot of people don't get the opportunity and stuff, especially um, how crazy the world is nowadays and stuff. And I'd have met a lot of people that said they never had that opportunity to, like, play with a bunch of kids and stuff outside. So I look at it as a blessing. Um, I learned a lot of lessons. When you're in an environment like that, like, you grow and you learn from things you understand. So it's an experience that you know that you're, like, blessed to have. What about your parents? What are they like? What are your What's your relationship like with them? So, um, my dad, um, I look just like my father. Um, I'm a junior, and my mom. They say I look like my mom as well. But I was, you could say, partially raised by my grandmother um, that passed away back in 2012. And my father, when she passed away, that's when he like really had to step up because she like took me under her wing and stuff like that. Because I think my dad had me a junior in high school. So he was still young. Yeah, he was still young. And so um, um, my aunts and um, my grandmother helped raise me, and that was a big important, um, big important factor in my life, um, being raised by women. And so a lot of people thought I was going to be soft because I was raised by women, had me watching movies and stuff like Bring It On and stuff <laughs> like that. So they definitely thought I was going to be soft. But um, my dad had stepped up, and it was like a lot of tough love because he wanted to show me how to be a man. And so, yeah, a lot of tough love. And uh, my mom, she's like my best friend. I really can tell her anything. And she's always giving me life lessons and stuff. And, like, she just let me know, like, every day we're growing as people and learn how to, like, forgive people, even when they do, like, bad things from you. And so I get my toughness from my dad, and I'll say I get my my intelligence, like, from my mother. Mm-hmm. What else about your grandmother when she was raising you? What were some of the lessons that you learned from her? What was it like being in that household? We lived in a household of, I will say, geez, there's probably like 12 of us. I know, yes, it was my grandmother, 
um, my father, my aunt Shay, Aunt Chaska, Aunt Raquel, and their kids, Ryan, um, Ryan, Kalia, me, uh, my sister Deja, my sister Breland. So it was a household like full of us. Um, but um, she really taught us like how to be like responsible and stuff like that. Even though she kind of babied me, like she told me about like responsibility and stuff and and how to like like grow as a man and stuff like that. And also um, with some of the stuff I said about my mother, like forgiving, like my grandmother was like the nicest person. She'll give like, she'll give you her last penny. She'll give you the coat off her back and stuff like that. And I, that's who I got my heart from. But she also like taught me how like um, people will take your kindness for a weakness, but also be smart with that. So she taught me a lot of life lessons and stuff and showed me a lot of love. And so she's definitely a big factor who I am today. And I know she'll definitely be proud of me. Mm -hmm. Well, besides going out with your friends when you were younger and playing this tackle football that you guys had going on, how did you get involved in football, little league football, and then going into middle school, high school? So before I moved to Saraland, um, I was staying with my mother um, out of Westmobile. I know we were in, like, I would say, like when I was first born and stuff, you know, she came to my grandmother's house and stuff. <laughs> and then that was my first time my grandmother saw me and straight out the hospital. And I stayed with my grandmother for like three days. But my mother was living in Walter William Projects at the time, which is like, I'll say about like nine minutes from downtown uh, Mobile, Alabama. And then we moved to Seabreeze. And then from Seabreeze, like I left and went to Saraland. Before I, before I went to Saraland, I played for a Park League team called Municipal Raiders. That team I was on was really good. They went undefeated until I think like the age of like eight, eight or nine, I want to say, because I started football at the age of four. And I started football Young. at the age of four. But that team was so stacked, like you wouldn't even believe, like I barely played at all. Yeah. Yeah, I barely played. And so that team was undefeated that I played on. And I remember like I wasn't playing as much. And my dad was at the game and he was like upset. Um, Cause I think he just came back from um, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, it's where my little sisters are from. And he had came back to Mobile and stuff and seen I wasn't playing so much and stuff. And he was really upset because he know the um, type of talent that runs in our bloodline and our genes. And so that's when I moved to Saraland, Alabama. I was going to E.R. Dixon Elementary School before I went to Saraland Middle School. And then that's when I went to Saraland Park. And it's crazy how the team I was on, I didn't play as much. And the first time I played them, I think that was the first time Saraland ever beat Municipal because the team I was on were like, they would beat everybody in Mobile. But I remember... We played municipal, and I ran the opening kickoff return to the house. I think we were like eight or nine years old, but we ended up beating municipal, and Sarah Lynn never beat them before until I got there. So look at I, you. I feel like yeah, I feel like that's when it took off. But yeah, I started football at the age of four years old. Wow. Contact full equipment. Wow, that's young. I know it's young. <laughs> that's the culture of Mobile straight football. Mm -hmm. So when did you realize? Was it when you? were eight or nine years old and had that first touchdown that you were like, okay, I love football. I'm going to keep playing. Or is there a moment that you remember that, okay, this is the sport for me? All righty. So I got to Saraland. My first year at Saraland, um, 
I played cornerback. I didn't play running back at all. I was just straight cornerback. And I was really fast, so um, anybody that tried to break for a touchdown, I'd just go catch them and tackle them. And I remember, I remember Bill Silver. Um, yeah, Bill Silver was my coach. He's really important to the community of Saraland. And Bill Silver said he's going to make a superstar out of me. And I was like, okay. So he moved me to running back. And that was my first time ever, like, being on offense or anything. But they knew how fast I was. And so that just, like, pitched me the ball. So my first touchdown ever, um, I can't tell you the exact date. I want to tell you that I was, like, nine years old. I want to say, nine, yeah, nine years old. And it was a – the name of the play was, like, Pro Right 28 Pitch. was, like, I'm in the backfield. And I had my cousin, Tyler Sims, this big, huge dude that played um, linebacker for my high school as well. Probably the best athletes I've been around. Best athlete I've been around. But he was blocking for me. So this play called Pro Right 28 Pitch, I'd just be in the backfield, and the quarterback would just say, hut, and just toss it out to me. And I remember I was running towards the sideline, and I seen, like, they all try, try to, like, cut me off, like, head up field. And I just reverse field, and then I scored, like, my first touchdown. I think it was, like, 50 yards. And that's when I, like, knew that I was, like, like I can be really good at this. I can be real good at this. And I think I fell in love with football ever since that play. Coming up, you'll get to hear from Bayless about how things are going with Coach Heupel and his takeaways from spring practice so far. But first, a word from our friends at First Horizon. The Slice is brought to you by the Vols Power T debit card, only available from the official bank of the Vols, First Horizon. Vol Nation, join in on 100 years at Neyland Stadium this fall. From sideline, lower end zone, and chair back seats of the Upper North, season tickets are available in a wide variety of areas of Neyland. Experience Neyland via a 3D map to select your seats based on your preference. Season tickets for eight home games start as low as $300, and a payment plan is available. Visit allvols.com any time of the day to view, live chat, or purchase seats. So when you went into high school, where football becomes a little bit more serious, you start thinking about your future, what was that experience like? Um, my high school year, I said my ninth, my ninth grade year was really fun. Um, I played freshman, and I would start JV, like, here and there and stuff, but I didn't play varsity at all my freshman year. Like, had to wait my turn and stuff and be patient. And... Really, like, coming up as a kid, you grew up watching SEC football and stuff. So I knew, like, how important it was, you know, just to ball out in high school and stuff. So I always had that, like, that weight on my shoulders and stuff. Like, I have to play in the SEC. I have to play in the SEC. Like, I have to make it. Because, like, back then, we didn't really even, like, care for the NFL. Like, I barely watched NFL games. All I knew was, like, like watching, like, Florida versus Tennessee Florida versus Alabama, LSU versus Bama. That's all I knew. I just wanted to play SEC football in college. And that was like a dream to me. So like coming to my ninth grade year and stuff, I know I didn't play as much. So I would say my sophomore year, I ended up starting. But I was like the second best receiver, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, one of my close friends, uh, Mitchell Sanders, he was like probably one of the best um, high school receivers I've seen. And that's who I was kind of behind. So... 
I made a lot of big plays, but believe it or not, my sophomore year, um, for my freshman year, my freshman year, we got kicked out of the first round of playoffs, I think to Escambia County in Alabama. And my second year, um, my sophomore year, we went all the way to the fourth round and lost to our rival Spanish Fort. So it was definitely progress, like being made and stuff like that. But they told me, um, they told me my junior year would be like the most important year because that's when college start like recruiting you out of your junior year. And so, yeah, that's how pretty much that went. When the recruiting process started for you, what was that like? And how did your family react to that? <laughs> when the recruiting process started, I was like really amazed. It felt like a dream. I'll say, you know how like you get like drafted, which I know pretty like different things and stuff. But for me, um, it was like a dream come true because like my junior season was like my biggest season. I had like a splash, went to the state championship and lost to Clay Chalkville. Beat Spanish Fort, though, in the fourth round. And I remember after that season, like, the offers, like, started pouring in. And it was just, like, like I can, say, I can tell my dad was shocked, too, because he had the chance to play um, football out in California, Fresno State, but he didn't. He just stayed back and helped my grandmother. Um, she was working, like, three jobs at the time. So he was telling me, like, um, he's not going to make that same mistake with me. And so, like... Uh, we was really cautious about everything, but it was like, I'll say it's kind of overwhelming. Like, I like couldn't believe in this stuff. And like, my friends couldn't believe it either because like, we've been talking about these dreams for so long and it would just turn into reality. Well, you signed with Southern California. When you moved out there, what was that like going from Mobile, Alabama to Southern California? That was, that was actually crazy. Um, like growing up as a kid, like I always thought I was going to be in the SEC. And I would have never even like dreamed about going to California. That was like, that was like beyond a dream come true. Cause like, I mean, I'll see the movies like Friday and all the movies they shoot in California and stuff, but I would have never actually thought that I'll be going to college out there. That was like, that was like a culture shock. Just like going out of California. Everything's just so much different, so much faster. What were some of those differences that really stuck out to you? I would say like the people, um, people are different. Um, I feel like it's way different than like the South and stuff like that. I mean, you'll run into a lot of a lot of great people. Like I met a lot of um a lot of friends that are like longtime friends, like for a lifetime, great people and stuff. But I'll say the people are like really different. They just move different and stuff. I wouldn't say it's not that much Southern hospitality. Like, for instance, if you like say hi to a random person, like, you know, some people look at you crazy and stuff yeah. like that. So I really had to like stay to myself and I just had to adapt to my surroundings, really. Like everything was like moving fast. You just have to adapt to your surroundings. So you go from Southern Cal and you come to East Tennessee. So another culture shock for you. So what was that like? Um, really wasn't that bad. Um, Tennessee was like uh, my top three school coming out of high school. So, I mean, I came up here on a visit and, you know, I loved it. And so it really wasn't like that much of a shock. It was much as I would say it was more of a home feeling and stuff. And I just felt so like comfortable being here. Like it was like a great feeling, best place to be in the nation. It was just like a home feeling, really. Growing up and wanting to play in the SEC, you got to do it last year for your first season. So what was that like? That was crazy. Um, and I can say the difference between the Pac-12 um, and the SEC is definitely like it's physicality and size. The linemen are way bigger. Linebackers are way bigger. So 
Yeah, I was like, oh, these boys are big. But, <laughs> I mean, I've been playing in this, like, this type of, like, trenches and stuff, like, my whole life and stuff. Like, I grew up in the South, so really didn't surprise me that much. But I was just, like, shocked because I was just used to playing, like, Pac-12 football. Right. And last season, I mean, you s- stepped up and took on a leadership role because you were one of the vets. So what was that like for you coming in and stepping up for these younger guys that were on the team? You know, like, I looked at it as, like, you know, coming here is a great opportunity and stuff. And everything, like, everything, like, you go through, you got to look at it as, like, business and stuff. Like, I'm here. Um, I was locked in. I bought in to the plan and stuff like that. And just the younger guys, since I, like, been around this game in college for a while, um, you know, just being able to help them and stuff because I feel like uh, I'm a people pleaser and stuff. And so even if I'm not doing well, just seeing, like, us doing well as a group would, like, make me happy. And so, like, it was amazing, you know, um, just to be a leader on this team for, like, a great program, historical program. Um, It was no feeling like it and truly blessed. So we go into the offseason. We don't have an athletic director and we don't have a head coach. So what was it that this team needed from a head coach? Um, This team needed from a head coach, you know, um, a coach with swagger and stuff and a coach, you know, that's going to, like, you know, trust us just to go out there and, like, have fun and play football. You know, that's all we wanted. Um, just a coach, you know, that's going to come in and stuff and just, like, be behind us 100% and we're going to have his back 100%. You know, like, at the end of the day, like, it's a, like, it's a game, but, like, you know, even though we take it serious and stuff, but it's supposed to be fun, you know? And so, like, a um, coach to come bring that swagger and, like, make the game fun. Did the you and your teammates ever sit around and talk about, you know, certain things you wanted in the program, knowing that there was going to be some change coming? You can say you want new uniforms, new this, new that. But um, we also talked about how we wanted the team to be player-ran because at the end of the day, like, the players could have the best coaching staff, the best, like, staff, like, medical staff. Like, at the end of the day, the players are on the field. You have to perform. And that's where we're, um, me and the leadership were like saying like how uh, we want the team to be like player ran and stuff like that and take matters in our own hand. Because at the end of the day, like we're on the battlefield. Was that some of the things you brought up with Danny White? Because when he was hired, he did have a meeting with you all. So what was that meeting like for you guys? Um, that meeting was actually a great meeting. Um, it was just, it just felt good that, you know, that he came and like, he had the best interest is uh, like the best interest in us, and so like he heard us out and stuff of what we needed in the coach, and he took that and uh, he took that really serious, and he went to go get the best coach out there, and I'm so like um, blessed he did that, you know, just like somebody just to like hear you out and stuff because you know he wasn't here, like he didn't know what was going on at the time, so like just for him to hear us out and um, be able to get that done for us was like. Amazing. So he went and hired Coach Heupel. What was it like meeting Coach Heupel for the first time? As I got to, like, get to know him and stuff, his first day he came in, and he was just saying, like, just, like, trust this process. Like, if you buy in, like, it's going to be amazing for everybody. You're going to have a great season and all. And, like, as time went on and stuff like that, like, me and Coach relationship is like this now. Like, I never, ever like, felt, like, so comfortable around a coach, you know, that I can just talk about anything, 
talk ball to about any time and stuff like that. So it's a really like family feeling. Like it's all great vibes upstairs. I never experienced that. How did you guys get to that kind of relationship so quickly? I say consistency um, because, you know, a man's words matter and stuff. And um, he haven't went back on any one of those words. What he told us he was going to do and he's been doing it. So, like, it's pretty, like, easy to trust somebody that's a man of their word. And so he's been keeping his word. And so, like, that's all you can really ask for is keeping a man's word. Describe that family feeling that you said that you have here right now. Oh, it's just like, you know how, like, you um, go back home and stuff like that with your mom, dad, sisters and stuff. We're just, like, comfortable. Like, you can be yourself. You don't have to try to put on this mask of, like, put on this mask of being somebody you're not. You're able to be yourself. And I feel like that's really important when it comes to your um, your confidence and stuff like that. Um, it's really important to have... Um, just to feel comfortable and like it's just like a family feeling like I said I can go up there anytime and just kick it we don't even have to talk about football just the relationships we've been building just go up there and kick it to just see their faces and just like talk to each other since he's been here there's been a lot of team building activities and fun activities you all played dodgeball you all had the program come in what was it like going through that that was, like, that was pretty fun. I know when I first got here, we didn't um, do too many, like, team activities and stuff. So just to see that and to, like, um, see Coach saying how competitive he is. And he brought it out of nowhere. I didn't even know we were playing dodgeball. I knew we talked about it, like, when he first got here and stuff because he was saying how important team bonding is. That was, like, that was pretty fun. Uh, so that's why I knew it was going to be a good time. And I could just tell my – I can just tell how much fun he was having because one thing, like – you really can't fake emotions. Like, you really can't do it. And I can just tell Coach was happy to be here and stuff like that, and we're happy to have him here. But it was most definitely fun. That's how I knew it was going to be a good time. What about the program? You were one of the leaders in the different groups that you all had. What is the program, and what was that experience like for you guys? That was great. It brought, like, your weaknesses to the light and stuff like that. And um, it also worked on, like, um, how to make our strengths better and our weaknesses better and stuff like that. And, you know, I would say when I was younger, I really wasn't like a vocal leader. I was just like a guy, lead by example, like match my energy type guy. But it also like made me like speak as a leader and be able to communicate with my teammates, which communication is really important trait. And so I feel like it brought the best out of us and uh, gave us the skill sets we need to be successful this season. So it was really productive and really helpful. When you talked to the media recently, you said Coach Heupel's offense is a wide receiver's dream. Why is that? It's just because, like, um, his offense, like, throwing the ball as many times and being productive um, year in and year out, like, top five, if not three, like, consistent years and stuff like that. There's nothing more you can ask for. And, you know, um, last season, um, a great friend of mine's, um, Marlon Williams, was a receiver of his, um, had like a thousand yards in like eight games. That's like a dream, like come true as a receiver, just like even reaching a thousand yards and stuff. And just watching film, you know, talking to Marlon, just like the amount of opportunities you get. And he's always, coach is always preaching like to us, like if you drop a ball, miss an assignment, it's like next play, you can't live in the past. That's like a loser mentality. We have to have winner mentalities. And just like the amount of opportunity in this offense, like 
Like, if the, like you miss the ball, it's like coming back your way, most definitely. So I say it's the amount of opportunity in this offense that you'll be able to, like, touch the ball and really showcase your skills. And you guys are in spring practice now, so how is that going for you? Oh, it's going good. It's like it's just, like, fun to be out there and competing and stuff and also um, learning the offense and how to truly run the routes and stuff like that. And so that's – I love that. That's, like, the beauty of everything. Um even though I think I'm extremely talented, like, I know it's something new you can learn every day. And I just like like learning and stuff and um, watching film and just, you know, trying to take my game to the next level and stuff. So it's just amazing to learn. It's fun, like, in this new offense. And I know, like, once we start clicking on all cylinders, we're going to be a pretty dangerous bunch. Mm-hmm. And Coach Heupel, he talks about fun all the time. He was going to bring fun back to Rocky Top, back into practices. And you just mentioned it. It's fun. What else has made these practices fun? Um, You know, um, coach will like play music and stuff like that. So you just like feel loose, you know. Um, It's not like quiet. You can hear the birds chirping and stuff. It's like a like a fun atmosphere and stuff like that. And like it's been fun, like just competing in one-on-ones and stuff like that with the great DBs we have here. It just makes everything fun and everything is like going fast. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of competition. I think that's what makes it fun because we told him um, we need like more competition with our DBs and stuff. Um, Cause iron sharpens, like iron sharpens iron. And so like, I feel like that's what's been making it so fun and stuff. Just like us competing more offense versus defense. And it's been so much fun. What about your wide receivers coach, Cody Burns? How would you describe him? Coach um, wants the greatness um, out of each and every one of us. And um, I have experience um, with Coach because, you know, I took Arvin visits coming out of high school and stuff and also in college. So I kind of, like, knew him already. But I didn't know, like, the football side of him. But he's going to, like, he wants us to be great. He's going to, like, coach us up until he can't coach no more. And, like, the most thing, like, um, the biggest thing he preached was never make the same mistake twice. And so, like, he challenged us as a group, you know, not to play as, like, robots, but to be yourself, but to add to our games and stuff. So he's, you know, he just, like, he let us, like, play like us. And, you know, he just give us some tools to put in our toolbox. And so, you know, he's going to coach you to the fullest, but at the end of the day, he just wants greatness. He recently said this about you to the media. Bayless Jones has kind of stepped up and emerged as, as one of those guys that can truly grow these young guys, teach them how to practice, uh, teach them what the standard is and what we're looking for. And uh, so he's really taken, uh, taken um, uh, right after me as far as what I'm asking and really trying to teach those young guys on exactly what we're looking for. So he's done a good job thus far. So hearing him say that about you already, what does that mean to you? Oh, it means a lot. It's just, um, you know, it feels good. Um, to know, like, you're doing the right thing and stuff like that. So even with this offense, like, I'm still learning as well. But, um, you know, just for him, like, to see that, you know, I'm giving him my all and I'm trying to, like, pull these guys under my wing, it feels good and encourages me. It makes me want to, like, like, go even harder. So feel good but can't get complacent. And I remember last year I talked to you about, you know, being a leader and you said you loved working with the younger guys. Like, you loved being that person for them. And how has that just continued more this season? I would say it continued like more as in now I have a relationship with them and I know um, them a little better and their strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that. And we can work on minds as well. So it's more like a, 
It's more like, you know, I make you better, you make me better and stuff like that. We give each other tips, especially when we get extra work at practice. It's just like, and you know, we have fun with it as well. Like we know each other, we can crack jokes here and there and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we're like, we're making each other better. And you know, every day at practice, you know, I encourage them and tell them how good they're doing or before like a drive at practice and stuff, you know, I dap them up and tell them like, let's go, like you, him. So I'm going to keep encouraging those guys because we're going to definitely need them this season. What's been your biggest takeaway so far in these last few months? I would say how to like adapt when like like changes, you know, how to adapt and stuff like that. And I feel like adapting is like really important because like, you know, like this college world, it's a business, you know, people are here. People transfer, coaches come in and come out. And I feel like it prepares you, like, for the NFL. So, you know, everything you have to take a lesson from. Like, even, like, when you take L's, you have to take a lesson from it and stuff like that. How can you better yourself or what did you take from it and stuff like that. So I feel like adapting is, like, really important and stuff because, like, how fast you can adapt to a place, you know, the faster you can actually, like, get comfortable, play better and stuff like that. But when you can't adapt to certain things, like, you can struggle. So um, adapting is, like, that's really big and important for me. Yeah, that's huge. Well, Valus, we appreciate you for taking some time today to join us on The Slice. No problem. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to another episode of The Slice. New episodes drop on Monday, so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out. And hey, leave us a review. Also, make sure you follow Vol Football, that's Vol underscore football, and VFL Films, VFL underscore films, on Twitter and Instagram so you can stay up to date on what's happening on The Slice. I'll talk to you guys soon. The Slice is a product of Tennessee Athletics, recorded live at the Ray and Lucy Han Digital Studio, hosted and written by Casey Funderburg, produced by Isaac Fowler. Sound design and technical support by Paul Jones and Colton Carnley at Orlation Studios in Knoxville, Tennessee. Music provided by APM Music. Additional support from Barry Rice, Bill Martin, Jimmy Delaney, Evan Ford, Daniel Hansen, Travis Dean, Christy Beth Paul, Kellen Heiser, Chanel Smith-Walker, Allison Paris, and Tara Glab. Until we meet again, thank you and good afternoon.